don't try to threaten it. It scares me sometimes, though. I, I wish I had a better mind. I mean, I, I have such a rotten mind for a guy that grew up reading Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. I sure turned out a mess. You know, whenever I think of Trenton, right outside of Trenton, there is this big sign. And it shines out in the darkness. As you drive along, it's pitch black out there, see? And in the darkness, you see this big, neon, huge neon sign, and it's an enormous arrow. And it just is going, eat! <laughs> it's four o'clock in the morning, you know? I'm driving it says, eat! <laughs> and it's an angry sign. I mean, it's like, eat, you slob! It just keeps going, eat! Eat! If you're the kind of person I am, <laughs> and God help you, friend, if you are, I would not wish it upon you, but if you are that kind, you're driving along, and the, the average guy, obviously, when he drives along, he sees that sign, he says, Hey, Myrtle, how about let's have a hamburger? But it doesn't affect me that way. I see that big sign, and I think of other words they could put on it. <laughs> Well, you know, nice words like, oh, shucks. <laughs> and so, so, you know, on, on this night, uh, uh, here it is, it's, it's late in August. And in fact, in just a few days, it's going to be September. And already I detect the great nervousness out there. It's another year starting. Already I feel, I feel it in the air. Kids are writing me letters saying, Shepherd, i got to go back to school. What am I going to do? I say go back to school, kid. That's the best racket I ever discovered. There ain't nothing like the school racket, I'll tell you. And, 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 I, and I keep getting these letters, you know, and, 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 and you, get, you get the New York Times at this time of the year, you know, it says, Back to School Fashions. And there are 900 pages of these guys. You know, you see it in Esquire and Playboy. And they're all standing around real big. You notice they're all standing like this. And there's always one guy standing back at the other guy with his hand on his shoulder, and he's going like this. And the third one is sitting here, and he's holding a football. And underneath it is the caption. It says, the man on the left is wearing the new shark skin, the new shark skin trousers with the new rubber, and on and on it goes. But then I think how it really is. <laughs> yeah, I think how it really is. When I was a kid, you know, my idea of getting dressed up for school was changing my underwear. <laughs> I mean, you're all summer, now it's time to go to school. You put on your underwear. <laughs> First time in three months I wore a shirt. You know, I put on my underwear, put on my shoes. Is what the well-dressed guy's going to wear when he goes back to school, jockey shorts. <laughs> and no wonder, no wonder 97% of us feel vaguely cheated by life. Because we see the ads. And you know, the ads paint such a fantastic picture. These guys are all standing there with their shirts, and their shirts, you know, they're clean and neat, very sharp, and the collars are always up. And you notice their faces are always orange. And they've got hair that hangs down. You know, it's like 
Tony Curtis, and they're all standing there, and in the background you can see the you can see the old campus. And there's trees. Beautiful trees hanging over the campus. And you see this long curving walk. And five brand spanking new XKE Jaguars are lined up. And there you see the Ad building, which looks like it was designed by Thomas Jefferson out of the Taj Mahal. And then I think of where I went to school. I think I think of this 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 crummy red brick building. I remember the first time I walked past the Ad building. The administration building. They had a sign in the window. It said 25 pounds of ice today. <laughs> and sitting... <laughs> and sitting, sitting out in the parking lot was the faculty's automobiles. There was a whole collection of 48 Fords, you know, 51 Chevys. And out on the other parking lot were the students' cars. Five Jaguars. <laughs> no, 36 new Aston Martins. <laughs> you know? And so, so no wonder we all vaguely feel cheated because I wonder how many guys get these, get these, these things that say, the fall, the fall fashions for men. You look at this, here's this corduroy coat that says, the new, the new Olive Dunn Heather corduroy coat designed in Scotland for men who appreciate the subtleties of the outdoor life. That's me. I like to walk around a block. <laughs> Nothing like going out and looking at the sky once in a while. And it's got this big roll collar. And it's magnificently cut. And five minutes later, you have laid out 64 simoleons <laughs> for this coat. But they didn't show you the back of it, where it comes up and sticks you behind the ears. And it goes up this way and catches your shirt in the back. And so then you begin to feel that you are inadequate. It wasn't the coat that was bad. It was you. Why am I like that? Have you ever gone and looked in your closet and looked at that motley collection of junk? <laughs> 4,000 pounds of stuff that even the Salvation Army would get mad at. <laughs> and you've got one pair of pants that are wearable. You've got this one coat that you consider your great coat. And inside, if you open up the lining, you have rotted it away under here. <laughs> you have to keep it closed, you know. And all the while, it's got this padding in the top, and it's got these horse hairs in the padding, you know. And, and two of them have drilled their way all the way into your collarbone. That's your good coat. And then you, see the, then you see the real people. You know, the people who really have clothing. You know, people, people like Johnny Carson on TV. He's always so natty. Great. You never get the sense, ever, that his underwear binds at all. The only place you ever really see that is on TV watching a ball game. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, you know. As, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I want to tell you a terrible thing that happened to me. I don't know whether I ever told you this, but it was a time when I, I, 
I earned a meager living playing baseball. And I was playing in, in, in a minor league. Way down, look, the Class D leagues. Do you know anything about minor league baseball? Well, this is Class D. I mean, this is the kind, this is so low in the minor league hierarchy that the major leagues were kind of a rumor. <laughs> I'm serious. We were playing an entirely different ball game than they were playing. And we spent all of our time in this Greyhound bus. And, and our ball team was so poor, it was the Rock Island Rockford Colts in Illinois, in the 3I League. And we were so poor, we could not afford a dressing room. So that meant that every night at the, at, at this, we all lived in this big boarding house. Every night we would get dressed at the boarding house. Can you imagine walking down the street, the whole ball team? You could hear our cleats, clank, clank. We're going to work. We've got a couple of guys got their lunch buckets, you know. I mean, can you imagine getting on, getting on the uh, on the Long Island local? You know, you get on the on the subway here in New York, and you you get in the car and you sit down, and over here is Ron Svoboda, and here's Ed Trainpool, and they're sitting there in their suits and they're going to work. You know, he's got his glove. He's just going to work wearing his suit. Well, that's the way we would play, see. And then, then we would play this ball game. We're always playing at night. Because we figured that the only time anybody who's ever going to come to our ball games is when they let them out at night. <laughs> out of these places where they would slave for their meager living. And so about 8 o'clock at night, we would go down, we'd get out at the ballpark. And our ballpark, by the way, was a converted used car lot. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We had, we had three little wooden stands, see? And they had five light bulbs. They were the same light bulbs that the used car lot used to use. You know, and there we are out there. That was the night ball game. We'd stand around out there. I was playing third base. I'd get out third base and stand. You know, I'd seen real ball players play, see. So I knew how to stand. Put your... Yeah. Take the glove once in a while. I'd walk over and I'd look at the pitcher... You ever wondered what guys say when they walk over and look at the picture? Nothing. I mean, we, we knew that you had to do this. It's part of playing ball, you know. I'd walk over to the pitcher. I remember we had this guy named Stretch, who later came up to the major leagues for one out. Yeah, I'll, I remember that one out, and I remember the day that he made the majors. They called him up. You know, we were all pulling for him. We were still riding in the bus. And we had the radio playing. Stretch came up with the Cincinnati Reds. Late in the season, he came up to pitch. They called him out of the bullpen. I remember this moment. He had arrived that afternoon. They says, uh, looks like Stretch Jankowski. He's not on He's not on our scoreboard. He's not on it. We don't know his number. Uh, Stretch Jankowski. He's 7 feet 9. Weighs 37 pounds. He throws underhanded, it looks like. That was old Stretch, you know. Stretch was one of those guys, whenever he was worried, he would retreat into childhood. You know, and when he wasn't worried, he was up there, he'd throw that fastball, oh, man, he had a slider, but the minute things looked bad, he'd go like this. <laughs> you know, he would return to his kidhood, and it's a Stretch Jankowski is coming in the pitch, and he was relieving, he was relieving this famous major leaguer that all of us have heard about, and the bases are loaded. And we sat there in the bus, 
And the announcer who was on the air says, and now there's the wind-up. There's the pitch. It's gone. <laughs> and now they're bringing in Herman Waymeyer. And 20 minutes later, Stretch rejoined our club. And to this day, he's probably talking about his major league career. Well, I, I, I'll never forget, though, you know, this moment, the one great, the one great lesson I learned about clothing. Now, you know, they, you've always heard the expression that the clothes make the man. Well, that's questionable, you know. But then, on the other hand, it can unmake the man. And I recall one season, my second year, I have worked my way up now to the Class C League. And now there are people in the stands. In fact, <laughs> in fact, we, on, on a big Sunday afternoon, we would draw as many as 180... Big doubleheader, you know. We'd be playing Muncie or somebody like that, one of the big teams. And I remember all of a sudden at this time of the year, you know, this is when baseball gets very nervous. It's late. It's late August. And you've lost 150 pounds. And now you're, you know, you're, you're, you're like a razor. And uh, the uniforms, we had one uniform. As a matter of fact, our ball club was so poor we did not have traveling uniforms. We didn't have at-home uniforms. They had uniforms that were in between. They were always gray. So they looked like tattletale gray. So that you could wear them at home, you know, under baseball rules, the home uniform is white, and on the road they're gray. And we wore the same uniforms. But they, they were just the right color. They could pass for white or gray. And I remember one afternoon, late in August. Oh, you don't know how it feels to be a professional athlete. And your, your paycheck, they're three weeks behind paying me. My batting average has dropped 40 points in the last six weeks. And I don't know what's the matter. I'm sitting down in a dugout. And a crowd is out. It's Sunday afternoon. And they're all out there. And this chick that I'm dating is sitting back of home plate. It's late in the third inning. We've got two outs in the second game of a doubleheader, and it's getting dark. We have dropped the first game 9-1. to one. I have gone 0 for 5. And I didn't hit a good foul ball all day. And now it's the third inning of the second game. I'm looking out. The guy just before me gets a single in a short center field. The game is tied, one-to-one. One. He steals second base. And now I'm up at bat. Shepard is going to add his 17th RBI for the season. I dig in. You like that thing the ball players always do? You know? We had it all going down there in the minors, you know. In the crowd, you can hear them murmuring. What a moment. I step in. He's getting his sign. He's only got two pitches. <laughs> this guy ain't going no higher than Class C. He's got two pitches. He's got the slow inside one. And he's got the one into the screen. 
He has just, he has just waved off both of them. And I'm thinking, what the hell now? Is he going to roll it up here? Up there in the crowd, you know, they're, they're starting that rhythmic clapping, you know. Shepherds like this. Well, the first pitch goes by and gets the outside corner. Strike one. That's a gesture of defiance. All right. Strike two. Idiot. All right. The third pitch. It was it was like a watermelon. I mean, that pitch came down and I could see faces on it. I mean, it had its tongue sticking out of me. It came down the pipe. Oh, I'll tell you, it was one of those kinds, you know, you just you just lay in and this is it. All month I've been waiting for this one. My pitch! My pitch! Well, what do you do? So I start walking back to the dugout, and it was that moment that it happened. I'm dragging the bat when all of a sudden, the manager and the ballpark is quiet. It's like a tomb. I have just struck out. The manager sticks his head out of the dugout and hollers, Hey, Shep! Shepard! I know why you're having trouble to swing! I got the bat. I'm about 30 feet from the dugout. Everybody's watching. The girl, the chick I'm going out with, sitting back, a whole plate is watching. He don't know what the trouble is. Tight underwear. <laughs> and the entire crowd roared with applause. You know, and, and, and I, I get back into the dugout, and I said, what do you mean? He says, tight underwear. He says, tomorrow morning, go to Kresge's. He said, the ball, the ball club will buy him. Go to Kresge's. Go to Kresge's and buy yourself three pair of underwear four sizes bigger than you're wearing. I says, okay. Would you believe it? Starting that Monday, my batting average climbed. I gained 43 points in one month. Let that be a lesson to you. Could it conceivably be... That one of the reasons why you're here tonight at the limelight and not at Sardi's? <laughs> Could it conceivably be that why you're at the limelight tonight and you're not sitting uptown in the Four Seasons somewhere wearing a pair of black glasses with Zsa Zsa Gabor opposite you? Could it be tight underwear? <laughs> you ever ask yourself that? Just... Think about it for a minute, friends. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, these things affect you all the time. As a kid, you know, there was this guy came on the air one day, and I heard him say he's a rookie ball player. And Bob Elson was interviewing him, and Elson said, do you have any superstition? He's nah, I ain't got no superstition. He said, well, is there anything you do before the ball game to get ready? Well, I, there's one thing I do. I always put my socks on in the right rotation. Bob said, what do you mean? He said, well, you see, if I had a good day the day before, I'd put my socks on the same way that I had them on the day before. Like, see, I got this little red thread in my sock, 
And if I had my the red thread on my right foot when I went three for four, I'd wear it like that the next day. Bob says, well, that's a superstition. No, nah, I ain't no superstition. I just want to do. <laughs> well, does it work? You damn betcha. He said, well, what happens if you go on a hitting streak? He said, I don't, don't ever change my socks. <laughs> this guy had gone for eight weeks, hitting every ball game. He wasn't easy to be near. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm listening to that out there. I'm a kid, you know. You're very impressionable when you're a kid, you know. But I'm sitting there, I'm thinking of that. I said, you know, I never thought of that. I never thought that what sock goes on what foot could be crucial. And ever since that time, now, I, you know, I know better. I have no, I have no known superstitions. I guess. They're just some things I do. <laughs> you know? But I have no, no, no... And, and every morning that when I get up and I'm, I'm having a bad week, I start thinking about which foot my sock is on. And I wonder if... I wonder if President Johnson... <laughs> I wonder if President Johnson figures he's in a slump. You know? And he's going to change the way he wears his socks. Well, you know, you never know what you never know at what moment in your life you're going to have one of these terrible moments of insight. Like the other day, my telephone rang. I picked it up. The guy at the other end says, uh, uh, "Who was the first president of the United States?" I said, "Who wants to know?" <laughs> he said, "I want to know. Who was it?" I said, "Oh, you idiot! Everybody knows that Thomas Jefferson." He says, right. <laughs> you have won three free rides out at the Palisades Amusement Park. I says, I've won what? He says, three free rides at Palisades. Any ride you want. I says, gee, I'm a winner. Yeah. Okay, call for him at the gate. I have not used them yet. That means that I still have a few assets left. But if everything is up against the wall, I know that I can always get on the world of monkey. <laughs> and you know, I, I thought about that. I thought, gee, the Palisades Amusement Park. It's almost the end of the season. And one year, when I'm a kid, I'm about 13 or 14. One of the very first dates I ever had. Do, do you remember your really early dates? I mean the early ones. When, you know, when, when you didn't call it a date, you were just going out. You and Cashmere are going out. And these two girls are going along. It's not really a date. You don't want to admit it, you know. And I, I, we had this place in Chicago called Riverview. Did you ever hear of it? The Riverview is the Palisades Park of Chicago. And it was, it was like a mecca for all the kids. And they had these rides, thousands of rides. You know, merry-go-rounds, that shoot the shoots. They had the world of monkey. They had all <laughs> the world of monkey. <laughs> That's a great one, I'll tell you. That's a real gut buster. <laughs> and, and they had all these rides, see? And, and, and one Saturday, one Saturday, they had two-cent day. Well, now that was in our league. And so Cashmere says to me, how about let's go in on a streetcar... I'll take Helen Wetters, 
and you take Esther Jane Albury, and we'll go to Riverview Park. Yeah. That's a great idea. Two cents, you know, and, and between the two of us, we had about 48 cents, which meant we could really get, you know, have a whole fantastic thing all day long, except for one thing. There was, in this amusement park, one ride. Now, I don't know whether any of you have ever had any experience with the truly terrifying ride, but there was one ride right in the heart of Riverview called the Bobs. This ride, well, it was, it was partial suicide. It was, it, was, it was an exercise in total masochism. It was one of these rides that went straight up, and you'd stand there, and you'd hear the cars, you know, they'd go tick, 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 tick. You'd see it way up there. It would be so high in the clouds that the top of the peaks of this roller coaster were gray with the clouds. And then you'd hear, ah! Well, all of us kids would go there every week, you know, we'd see this thing. And only the real men went on this. Like my old man and Uncle Carl. You know, whenever the, whenever the whole family would go, they would put all the kids and all the wives, all the mothers would have to get off to one side, and Uncle Carl and my old man would say, we're going on a bobs. <laughs> they'd walk up, they'd buy the tickets, and all the kids would say, bye, Dad. It's a salon. You know, it's like Van Johnson going up and he's going to take a pillbox. Salon, gang. And then we'd see him go up on this thing, see? And then you'd hear him go, Whoa! And four hours later, they would find Uncle Carl. He'd be, he'd be found somewhere off in a place where they're throwing the free basketballs and he'd be green. And it was a ride that struck to, and it was the ride, by the way, that all the kids would always threaten each other, one day they're going to go on. But well, we're out there this day. It was, it was late in August, and I'm about to learn a lesson. Boy, I didn't know it. And so we had about five of these, you know, these, these spun sugar cones, you know, with the, with the big pink stuff. Ugh, it makes your teeth itch. <laughs> I've never been able to understand that, you know. I'd eat this thing and I'd feel my feet itching. Boy, I'm, my fillings, you know, I had about 400 little silver fillings. They would all start ringing together. You know, Columbia, the gem of the ocean, they're playing <laughs> And I had nine taffy apples, you know, the kind with the big, the big red things all over it, you know. And I'm eating that stuff and four boxes of popcorn, 19 hamburgers. And we've gone on the merry-go-round of the shoot the shoots and now we are walking past the bobs. Oh! We're walking past. Here's this guy standing. All right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Just two cents. It's two cents, day. Come on, let's show them you're real men. Let's go. What do you say, Cash? <laughs> and over here is Esther Jane. And Esther Jane says, let's go on the bobs. Let's go. And you know, you know what are you going to say, you know? And I, how many times you see these movies where you see these people looking so happy, you know, they're in the car, they're on the roller coaster, and they're like, oh, wow, and their hair is flying. And, the, and the, it's a cigarette commercial. It's like for those who know how to really have fun. All right, you know? Well, five minutes later, me and Cashmere are sitting in this car, see? I'm in the front car, right in the front. Directly behind me is Cashmere. Over here is Esther Jane, right next to me. 
In fact, there's Helen Weathers. We've got a hold of the bar, see? And we're going tick, 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 tick. It went up and up and up like the Alps. You want to hear what happened then? Come on, let's hear it. Okay, we'll be back in five minutes. Come on, let's hear it. Come on. There's always one very thin Weekday afternoons at 1 and at 3 o'clock on WOR. It's the news with Isle Van. Palisades has a ride. Palisades has a fun. Come on over. Shows and dancing are free. Shows the parking so gee. Come on over. Palisades from coast to coast. Wear a dime, buy the most. Palisades amusement park. Swings all day and after dark. Ride the coaster, get cool in the waves, in the pool you'll have fun. So come on over. Robert Sylvester of the Daily News says about Palisades, I never saw an amusement park so safe, so clean, and so well policed. Palisades Amusement Park is easily reached by public service buses from the George Washington Bridge Terminal, and by orange and black buses from the 41st Street and 8th Avenue bus terminal. Schraffs would like to take this opportunity to announce an amazing breakthrough in frozen chicken pie. Big chunks of chicken. This is WOR 710 Radio New York. At the tone, 11 o'clock, time for the news.